Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is, and always will be, our top priority. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus, built with the zero landfill promise. All waste is recycled or reused. With more at PrestigeSubaru.com. Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, an award-winning tour showcasing Asheville's spectacular rooftop views and fascinating city history. Enjoy handcrafted drinks and delicious food with reserved seating and transportation included. Visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. And by Home Trust Bank. Dream travel requires smart financial planning. Get ready for what's next with a local banking partner you can trust. Dream big with Home Trust Bank. Visit htb.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website. That's speakingoftravel.net. And on all your favorite podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, Buzzsprout, Pandora, and Amazon. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to stories from people who want to make the world a better place and use their talents to live out their values and really make an impact. My guest today is Dana Ruggiero. Dana is a documentarian. She's working on her first feature film, and it's a big collaborative climate listening project effort down in the Gulf. And Dana and I have been collaborating with the Speaking of Travel and Climate Listening Project for many years, and we love to share hopeful conversations on climate and community. And joining us will also be Kelly Sheehan. Kelly is working to end fossil fuels, and she envisions a healthy future, and she's with the Sierra Club as their national energy director. And I'll tell you, Dana and Kelly, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to have you as my first guests here in 2022. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy New Year, Marilyn. We're so happy to be here on Speaking of Travel I love, I love coming on this show with you. Thank you so much. Thank Kelly, you so much for having me. What a treat. I'm so glad to, to finally meet you. And having you both here is just such a treat for me. Dana, I have just been in awe of everything that you've done in not only throughout your career, 
But especially during this time where we've all gone through so many changes, to pick up your life, make this big change, and really rediscover Dana Ruggiero. I'm so excited for you. Thank you, Marilyn. Yeah, I have moved back to the Gulf Coast where I have lived on and off for about 20 years. I went to college at the University of West Florida in Pensacola, and I I kept moving back here. This is the fourth time that I've moved to the Gulf Coast. (laughs) I've also worked here. I've worked with Kelly actually um, promoting clean energy in, in along the Gulf Coast or retiring coal plants along the Gulf Coast. Um, and I've worked with Dogwood Alliance, um, stopping uh, biomass exports. And so it's it's just really a place that I've always loved, a uh, place that I think of as a home. You know, like my, I'm born in New York. I've lived all over, but um, I, I keep coming back here because I love it so much. The bayous, the, the ocean, the Gulf. Um, it's, you know, it is just a very, very special place. And so I'm, I'm grateful to be with people here that are, you know, just, just so passionate about, about the Gulf, I think. And, and um, it's, it's a place that we want to protect. So, so I'm really glad to be here and, and reborn again on the Gulf Coast. <laughs> I just love it. And I love the Gulf. I love the Gulf too. You know, I've been down there just not as many times as I would like to, but I just love that there are beaches and bayous and are they bayous or bayous? How do you say that? The bayou. bayou. And, and depending, I mean, if you're saying it in, in the real language, I'm not going to even try to do that, but no, it, there's there's a better way to say that for sure. Well, and the indigenous culture <laughs> down there is just so amazing, and it's so intact, and there's so much of it. Kelly, give us a little bit of a backstory and tell us how you how you really have gotten to be the national energy director of the Sierra Club. Sure, I will. And as I'm sitting here in this cold mountain weather day up here in the mountains of North Carolina, I'm thinking about the Gulf and how warm and sunny it is down there and thinking about that tropical weather and being out um, on the water and times I've had the opportunity to uh, check it out and to be with, with people who make their livelihood as fishermen or the crawfishermen and who, um, you know, spend time taking folks out to see the, the beauty on the, on the ocean and in the, um, in the kind of tropical forest there. So it's nice to imagine that, especially the warmth. Um, I am, yeah, I've made, I've, I've managed to, um, spend 20 years in advocating for the protection of the planet and communities who are impacted by uh, the fossil fuel industry and an extractive economy. And I have the privilege now of leading the Sierra Club's work on energy, which means I help to uh, find pathways to engage people in the work to address the climate crisis and to bring their own unique voice and talents to make the world a better place. And whether that means in our um, communities or in the courts or in the halls of Congress or in the media, you know, everybody has a role to play. And so that is 
my job working for the oldest and largest environmental organization in the country, um, grassroots environmental organization, we um, are able to use our big voice and megaphone to bring attention to the issues. And lately that has been drawn to um, what's happening along the Gulf Coast and fossil fuel production and development and exports that we are trying to stop both to protect communities and the um, environment and also to uh, stop uh, exacerbating the climate crisis. And Dana, is the connection that you have with Kelly now as you're moving towards this new feature film, how did you guys come together to work on this project? Yeah, so I am making my first feature film. That's, you know, a big, huge thing. Um, So I have been doing what I call the Climate Listening Project now since 2014. Oh, I can't believe it. But um, so one of my, you know, beginnings of the Climate Listening Project was working on a Showtime series, an Emmy-winning series called Years of Living Dangerously. And this film, this series, um, our episode featured Ian Summerhalder as the celebrity and each episode had a celebrity that would take people on this journey. And um, he came to Asheville, North Carolina where I was living at the time and Kelly was living or is living and where speaking of travel is based and how we met too. And, you know, in the nature of the collaborative way I work, I'm involved in that. The film, the the series, the episode was about Kelly's work and about the work of the Sierra Club closing down this this coal plant in the community and the work of the the Beyond Coal campaign nationally as well. And so it was a really cool project. And at that time, I started listening locally, um, you know, and the, the project has grown and grown and grown. And at that time, Kelly was, you know, director of some things locally and, you know, regionally, I think in the Southeast, but, um, and, and we were like, talked about it, but it didn't happen then. And I went and I'm doing stuff. And then now, now I have, I think all of this experience and this, you know, this, um, passion for like knowing the story that I want to tell in the place that I love and, and it's just, um, I think, happening all at the right time in the way that magical things happen. And so I'm excited to be collaborating with Kelly. I'm excited to collaborate with our friends, with Nikisha Glover, with Michael Malcolm, and with so many amazing people in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. You know, this is this is going to be um, a climate listening project, unlike others, too, where, you know, in the past years, I've been working with colleges uh, for students to create their own climate listening projects. We've had hand painted charcoal drawings, portraits, and you've had um, those folks on the show, uh, some of these young people that that created their own climate podcast. We had 80 um high school students create climate podcasts of their own and they were on the show. And so we're going to also be looking at how to, you know, support others that are telling their own stories along the Gulf as we're telling that broader story. So it's just a big collaboration and I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about it too. And I know Kelly is as well. And 
Dana, anytime you're telling a story, it's always engaging and important. And the work that you've been doing your whole career has been really just a big part of the change that we all want to see. These are the kind of stories we need to hear right now. So I want to thank you both for being on Speaking of Travel. I can't wait to come back and really dig a little bit deeper and find out not only what it is that your your goals and objectives are here with this film and with the work that you're doing, Kelly, but also with looking at how can we help? You know, what is it that we can do on a personal level? So this is Marilyn Ball. I'm here with Kelly Sheehan and Dana Ruggiera. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Kay. At Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, we put you in the middle of experiencing Asheville like no one else can. With an expert guide by your side, you'll have an all-access pass to what makes Asheville so unique. Our sense of place, history, and awe, along with great food and drinks and spectacular views. We follow safety protocols on every tour. Come experience why TripAdvisor awarded our company the 2020 Traveler's Choice Award, placing us in the top 10% of attractions worldwide. To learn more about us and our award-winning tours, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. You know, in the last couple of years, sustainability as a concept, a practice, and even a way of life has really gained more widespread popularity and acceptance. And I'm so excited to have here on the show today, Dana Ruggiero, a documentarian working on her first feature film, and Kelly Sheehan, the National Energy Director of the Sierra Club. And I want to talk to you both a little bit more about, Dana, you were talking about your film and what's going on in the Gulf Coast. And I want to talk a little bit about throughout your career, you've really been able to see how sustainability and climate change and climate issues has become a little bit more part of a dialogue. And I would certainly say that in today's time, it is the biggest part of the dialogue. How do you see being able to give the information that we need to see without it being really frightening and horrifying? I think it's just about having these conversations in our own, you know, ways and in our communities, in the ways that we want to want to talk about them. And, And that's the thing. So, you know, this, this film, this climate listening project, you know, like all of them, I try to follow something that connects us. And I followed the bird that we love, right? You love the wood thrush connection. <laughs> and so does so many people, right? And they, we, I still hear people say to me, you know, Dana, I heard the wood thrush. And, and it's just this beautiful connector um, that people across political divides love to listen to this bird. And so they're, they're willing to join that conversation. We followed 
people who love their children, that are connected by their love for their children, people of faith, farmers and people that work on the food that we eat, the things we need, the things we love, right? So this project follows our culture, our stories, our art, and the ways that we create, you know, the ways we tell our stories and uh, share our truths and our histories in this new time of wanting to vision a future that's, that, that can be, you know? Um, so that's, that's, I think, just one way that we can try. And Kelly, I wanted to ask you and and even follow up because you were talking earlier about Sierra Club and, you know, not to show my age, but Sierra Club, like you said, has been around for a really long time. When did that grassroots organization begin? Oh, we're a 120 year old organization that has shifted and grown and had a lot of growing pains over the years and now emerging really as um, more and more as a justice-centered, big environmental organization that is thinking about climate justice and who benefits and who's impacted by the climate crisis the most. So we've really evolved over the years. Well, when you talk about climate justice, I think that's an important uh, a term that I don't know that people are really that familiar with. Give us a little bit of an idea what that even means. Sure. So when I think of climate justice, I think of um, environmental racism, which many more people are familiar with. I think that black and brown communities are disproportionately impacted by pollution and by extractive industries and are living with um, the impacts of air and water pollution, often that comes from the fossil fuel industry and other industrial activities. Um, and also, when we think about climate, we're, you know, when we look around the globe and even here in the US, the people that are disproportionately impacted by the climate crisis, so more severe weather events. Um, fires, hurricanes, and more severe storms, and then have the less means to be able to uh, recover as quickly are, again, Black and brown communities that are most impacted by the climate crisis. And so when I think of climate justice, I put those two things together and think about how are we uh, working with and supporting communities that are at the forefront of the climate crisis, living with the impacts of the climate crisis, and also um, living with environmental racism. And what are the solutions that are coming out of those communities? How can we lead those and lift up those voices? And so one of the reasons working with Dana um, is been, you know, has been so awesome and why I'm really looking forward to what comes out of this project is um, creatively lifting up stories, listening to those who are most impacted and also um, finding ways to express and share the art and the um, kind of embodiment of living with the, um, the knowing of the climate crisis, the knowing of racism and white supremacy, and really like creating art and 
stories that and visual art that can, you know, help us feel the inspiration and the hope to act differently and can help us feel the possibility of what our communities can look like and how powerful we can be when we work together. Well, I would imagine that with all that said, it's an ongoing project, I would imagine, with 120 years of back ground and and uh, success and also it's uh tell us a little bit about the sierra club and how people get involved and and be able to join How, how does that work Yeah, sure. So we um, are at sierraclub.org. That is our a great place to start. And you can also follow us on the all the social channels um, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Sierra Club. And that's a great way to get a sense of what we're up to. And people can get involved in their own local groups and local chapters. We have um, grassroots-led, volunteer-led groups all over the country um, in um, all 50 states and in uh, most communities, there is some grassroots Sierra Club group. And those could be outings group where people get out into nature or they might be more politically oriented or in some places there are information sessions and speakers and storytellers and things like that. So there's all kinds of ways to get involved with the Sierra Club. And that's what makes us diverse and unique and powerful. And there's also, um, so there's that local level, but there's also always actions people can take. You can go on our website and send emails to your representatives. You could tell right now, you could tell the Senate that you want to pass the Build Back Better Act and um, help bring uh, money to address the climate crisis and uh, climate solutions and you can also, you know, go in there and tell the Secretary of Energy, Granholm, that we want to stop the exports of oil and gas. And so there's all kinds of ways and actions people can take and then share our content and get involved. Well, I'm just so grateful that uh, what you're doing as the National Energy Director, what your team is doing, the volunteers are doing is giving is is providing this voice and and people like Dana Ruggiero right here who's helping to bring the stories to life and to put faces to the people and the communities that we so much need to help. And when we come back, I want to talk more, Dana, about what's happening down there in the Gulf, uh, also with you, Kelly, and uh, and look at what that community is doing to kind of offset, if you will, uh, unfortunate situations that have happened down there that really are just needing protection we need we need the protection we need to save that area down there it's so critically important and i just want to you know just give a big shout out to both of you for for helping lead the way and and help us out so kelly tell us again the website for the sierra club it's sierra club and that's spelled s i e r r a c l u b .org 
And Dana, how can people follow you? Climate Listening Project, climatelisteningproject.org. All right. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. I'm just really encouraged to hear that there's there are these voices out there that the stories are being being told. I have Kelly Sheehan of the Sierra Club and Dana Ruggiera. And this is Marilyn Ball. I'm your host. And we'll be right back. Green is good. Local food, less oil. Renewable energy, sustainable peace. Tree hugger. Say no to GMOs. Be kind to animals. Don't eat them. Go solar. Coexist. Don't buy a dog. Rescue one. Keep Asheville weird. We just read the bumper stickers on the back of a Subaru. Welcome to Subiville. Prestige Subaru. On the web at PrestigeSubaru.com. Why not make the most of the beautiful winter season and plan your next vacation or staycation to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains? Create your perfect winter wonderland adventure in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com is a 900-page online guide covering a nearly 100-mile radius around Asheville, North Carolina. There are so many special places and awe-inspiring vistas around nearly every corner. And this is the perfect time to create safe and memorable adventures across western North Carolina. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Dana Ruggiera and Kelly Sheehan. We're talking about... Just a lot of a lot of well, social justice that's going on, climate justice, I guess we can say Kelly is what the Sierra Club is doing, although it is social and climate justice. Absolutely. Yeah. Environmental justice. Environmental justice. I mean, really justice for all. Can we say that? I think Yes. Yes. Again. So Dana, I want to get back to this film, this feature film, because we were talking during the break and I wanted, I wanted people to know that when they do go to your website that, and you have Instagram and other ways that you put out your information, but you are really on the ground doing the work right now throughout the Gulf. And I want to talk a little bit about the Gulf with you and Kelly, because like I said, I've been there a couple of times. I just find it to be the most precious environment. I was down there one time and and somebody was telling me just how important those bayous are as far as life as we know it. Like literally, it starts there and then goes up in the oceans. Let's talk about the impacts of what's happening there today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for this show, Marilyn, for the work that you do with Speaking of Travel. It's it's an important listening project as well, right? And I know I always say that too, but thank you. Um, so, you know, throughout the Gulf, 
Okay. You know, you have these areas where it's like, wow, the, the most beautiful, beautiful Emerald coast, the, the, the white sand beaches, you have this blue green water. That's the most beautiful in the world. Um, but you, you know, you can also go to other communities um, where like hurricane Michael has hit here in Mexico beach. And that community has been absolutely flattened and, and really devastated. You can go South of new Orleans to Plaquemines parish where um, indigenous communities are losing land because of these, these um, tunnels, these, these, they have to cut through to bring the ships through. So when you look at a map, somebody was telling me on the listening tour that I took recently into Louisiana that when you see that map in those areas down there, um, that green is gone, right? And so now there's like these levees and like the systems to try to keep when hurricanes come to keep that water out. But but they want to build more. And so they want to build 20 plus LNG export facilities. This is liquid natural gas. This is fracked gas. So there are communities that are beautiful. These places we vacation to, these places that we travel to and we love, right? But right next door in black and brown communities, um, in indigenous communities, um, they, they call them sacrifice zones. These places where these people live, these places that are gorgeous, just like Key West, just like the Keys, but because an indigenous community lives there, they are absolutely trying to destroy it and fill it in um, with concrete for miles to, to, to fill in the wetlands that protect all of us, you know, to destroy these communities, to make property values so low you can't sell and move, to, to, to continuously, you know, build the pipelines, to build these facilities again and again, and to, you know, to do it in places that are now called Cancer Alley, to do it in places um, where it's it's happening again and again, and these communities are also dealing with you know leveled traumas from being patrolled by police to being this is where you know ice facilities are being built in Louisiana. Um, you know, it's when you think about environmental justice, you're thinking about the many layers of what this this trauma looks like in these communities and the way that these people are thriving and being you know being hopeful about how they want to actually live and create community there and trying to survive um, while, while dealing with this ongoing trauma. And then you have hurricanes coming and adding these layers, right? And this, this constant assault of the, the idea of 20 new frack gas facilities, export facilities is like, like what? Like the audacity, you know what I mean? So um the Gulf is a magical, beautiful place, but it is also where the pipelines that they want to build are going. Okay. It is also where the Mississippi river, it's like, it is, it's such a connector for all of us. And so um, I think we all need to work together to protect it because, you know, there's places like Brownsville, Texas, it's the last clean beach in Texas. That matters to all of us, right? Like you can't wait till it comes to your community. So there's people there. This is where the blues came out of. This is where jazz came out of. There is beautiful art to be, you know, that there's stories. There's, so we're listening really is, is, and um, hopefully, hopefully giving the resources needed, the listening, the voice, you know, 
to the voices to to elevate and help support the work that's being done on the ground. Like Nikisha says, um, my friend, you know, Nikisha Glover, I mentioned earlier, communities have the prescription that they need to heal their communities. We just got to listen. Let's stop. (laughs) Let's help. Let's work together because it it is really a beautiful planet. And Kelly, let's talk a little bit about how the Sierra Club is collaborating with Dana to tell these stories and and to provide some solutions. Yeah. So look, the, you know, areas like Louisiana, Texas, these are hard areas to work in. These are areas where um, the fossil fuel industry has a lot of political power and where that is decades upon decades upon decades of making a lot of times um you know in a lot of places we work in folks have solutions on the ground and it's no different here people that are living closest to the impact have ideas for how we can change and the sierra club has a voice in congress and we have a whole slew of lawyers and we have resources to support Um, communities, especially in areas in Texas and Louisiana that are facing these um, proposed frack gas export facilities. And why this matters for climate is because across the country, we made huge gains in reducing the emissions that are causing um, the climate crisis in this country. We made gains by transitioning off of coal fire power plants, for example, and having more efficient homes and by making choices in our homes, you know, to make our homes greener. And um, yet we, if we are going to, our country is going to accelerate the export of fossil fuels, that means more fracking and it means more release of really potent climate um, pollutants like methane and greenhouse gases. And so that's a really bad idea. And so for a lot of levels, we're working um, to stop that. And just to be real about it, you know, this is a region and as with a lot of the, you know, more conservative states, um, but especially in the Gulf Coast where the environmental community has underinvested and philanthropists have underinvested in building the human infrastructure around um, environmental groups. And uh, that's changing now. And it's awesome to be part of it. It's truly an honor to be part of it and to help find resources so that we can collaborate to tell the stories and lift up the art and the culture that is so important in these areas and to support the solutions that are coming from the ground up to stop the pipelines and stop the fracking and the exports of fossil fuels. Well, you know, I grew up in an era where grassroots was just the most important way to, um, to, to protest, to get involved, to truly believe that we are all capable of uh, making things better. Yes. Making change happen. And so I feel honored as well, Kelly, to be able to uh, even on this six degrees of separation be a part of what your work is and what the Sierra Club is doing. And Dana, uh, again, you know, here you are collaborating, looking at how can we get this story out there? How can we get more and more people to be aware of what's going on? And I just want to personally thank both of you 
for the work that you're doing. I know you don't do it alone. So, uh, you know, a big shout out to your team and the the people who are there to support you and encourage you and uh, and give you access to the information that you need to provide us with the bigger picture. So tell us again, uh, Kelly and Dana, how we can get more information and, and get involved, become a member, and, and share our voice with you. Great. Yeah, climatelisteningproject.org. Thank you so much, Marilyn. And sierraclub.org is the other way. Thank you so much for having us here. Well, it's, it's important uh, work that you're doing. I think it's a great uh, way to begin 2022. It's a new year. We've learned so much living through this pandemic and seeing the changes that are happening right, right around us and to feel that we have a way. We can be grassroots one person at a time to help make this happen. And I just want to thank you both again for being on Speaking of Travel. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks, Dana and Kelly. And, you know, it seems like we have a lot of opportunities ahead to become even more responsible, especially when we start becoming comfortable again to travel, because there's going to be a lot of navigation moving forward. So stay tuned to learn about what we can expect to see in travel in 2022 with our trusted marketing and marketing research expert, Chris Cavanaugh, the president and founder of Magellan Strategy Group. We'll be right back. Travel is on the rise these days, and significant trips require smart financial planning. That's why Home Trust Bank is a valuable investment resource. They're a local, community-focused partner who can help manage your finances so your dream trip can become a reality. Travel light and leave your money worries behind. Connect with your local Home Trust Bank team member or visit htb.com. Home Trust Bank, helping you get ready for what's next. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. You know, with this new year unfolding, there are so many of us travelers who have new goals in mind. We're ready to have amazing, unforgettable experiences like never before. But we're going to have to be responsible for navigating these ever-changing landscapes of regulations. The good news is many travel industry professionals are looking at brighter days in 2022. With that in mind, I'm excited to begin the new year with Chris Cavanaugh, president and founder of Magellan Strategy Group in Asheville. Chris is a leader in strategic planning, marketing, and market research, and he works with a diverse group of organizations, especially in and around the travel and hospitality industries. And I can tell you, Chris has had his feet on the ground since March 2020, and he's here today to offer up some travel trends that we can expect that could help you plan accordingly. And Chris, thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel again. You're welcome, Marilyn. Glad to be back here. Uh, it's, uh, it's a 
new year, new hopes, new expectations, uh, some some continuation of uh, of old problems, perhaps. But uh, I'm excited going forward into uh, into uh, 2022. I think it's going to be a great year for travel. Uh, I think that there's going to be uh, some really new uh, and old adventures ahead for uh, for all of us. So I'm. I'm delighted to be back on the show. Well, Chris, I know that, you know, from, let's say, March 2020, your tone was just a little bit different. Uh, there was, of course, a lot of fear and anxiety and uncertainty. And and I think everybody was a little unsettled because things just happened so quickly. And yet here we are, uh, you know, almost two years into this. And your your tone seems to be a lot a lot happier. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about that. Give us a little idea of what we can expect to see in travel in 2022. Well, I think some of the things that we've seen certainly in the last two years will continue into the new year. I think uh, national parks will continue to be very popular. Uh, beach vacations uh, and outdoor adventures in general will continue to be very popular. Uh, but I think that there are some new things uh, on the horizon as well. Uh, you know, the airlines have uh, their own set of challenges, particularly right now with uh, the Omicron uh, variant and staffing shortages, pilot shortages. But the airlines have also done a good job of trying to uh, find new markets uh, for their aircraft, particularly as uh, business travel has continued to be very sluggish. And uh, I think we'll see, continue to see a lot of new fun destinations. Uh, we've seen some new international destinations announced already for uh, next summer. Um, and we'll see domestic, some new domestic uh, destinations announced uh, and new domestic flights announced here in the next couple of months in preparation for summer. But, you know, United a couple of weeks ago announced a whole bunch of new, uh, very leisure oriented routes to places like the Azores. Uh, Palma de Mallorca in, uh, in Spain, uh, Norway, uh, Jordan, the Canary Islands. Uh, we've seen uh, American Airlines announce uh, nonstop flights from the U.S. to uh, uh, Qatar, uh, Delta to Stockholm. Um, and, and closer to home, uh, Iceland Air is going to start nonstop flights from uh, Raleigh-Durham uh, to Reykjavik. Um, and of course, uh, we already know that JetBlue is planning service from uh, from Asheville to uh, to Boston. JetBlue being a new airline at uh, Asheville Regional Air- uh, Airport. So I'm excited about, uh, in spite of the current challenges that the airlines are facing, I'm excited about uh, the continued growth and evolution of, of the airlines, particularly uh, uh, reaching out to some uh, fun and, and exciting new destinations. Well, I know that the hotel industry in particular has been extremely customer friendly uh, over this past time and offer up a lot of value and a lot of deals. Is that still going to be something we can see moving into the new year? I think so in certain destinations. You know, again, uh, I think business travel is going to continue to be very sluggish in its recovery. But I think 2022 is going to be a big year for city travel, for city uh, leisure destinations. I think some destinations that have traditionally relied upon uh, business travel prior to the uh, epidemic um, have uh, the pandemic have have really uh, are going to continue to offer some good deals um, for some of the hotels that uh, are still looking to fill with guests. Now that's not going to be so true in some leisure destinations, which. Uh, a lot of those leisure-only destinations 
and places like at the beach uh, have done extremely well during the last couple of years. Uh, so probably won't find a lot of bargains there, but I think you'll still be able to find some good deals in some of those urban, uh, very business travel and meeting and convention oriented destinations. So, and I think city travel is going to bounce back. You know, uh, Broadway returned uh, this fall up in New York. Uh, has taken a little bit of a pause here in the last couple of weeks, but it, it'll be back. Uh, and uh, so I think as we see uh, uh, places like Broadway and New York recover, we'll see that true for other city destinations as well. Well, especially with the airlines going to some of these cities that just seem so kind of exotic to us in the past, now seem like they're going to be a little bit more realistic that we can actually go visit them. Yeah, it's, you know, when you think about it, uh, you know, reason that uh, an airline like JetBlue, for instance, uh, uh, or uh, Allegiant, which has seen obviously great growth uh, here in Asheville, um, you know, they're bringing, in many cases, they're justifying their flights by bringing uh, residents of those areas uh, to uh, Asheville and Western North Carolina. But we get to experience the benefit of that. Uh, we get nonstop flights now to an awful lot of destinations because uh, we're a popular destination, and so that makes it easier to travel to some of those uh, those large urban destinations. Well, what do you think as far as these, you know, we've been hearing a lot about it over the holiday season as far as cancellations and changes and in flights. And what do you think is going to happen as we move forward, Chris? What are you what are you kind of hearing as far as that goes? Well, there's certainly strong interest in wanting to travel among American travelers. But I think as we've seen for the last couple of years, last minute bookings will continue Uh, to dominate. Um, And I think we will continue to see very flexible change and cancellation policies uh, on the part of a lot of travel service providers uh, well into 2022. And that again, I think is a win for for us as travelers. Um, And, but it also means that many of us are gonna wait to the last minute to make our our decisions about what we're doing, uh, not only in the first half of 2022, but I think well into uh, summer and fall as well. Well, I'm looking forward to having you back on, Chris, in a couple of months and giving us an update so that we can kind of follow along with what these trends are going to be like, because as you and I have both talked about, they are changing all the time. But it sounds like there's going to be an increase in these experiences in travel that really are not going to disappoint. Yeah, no, I think are all after the last two years are all looking for things that uh, for experiences that don't disappoint um, that, you know, that remind us of the, the world as it was and before the pandemic and as it will be again. And I think that's what the kind of experiences that travelers will seek out is really remarkable experiences that don't disappoint and that can share with uh, with friends and family. Well, Chris, thank you again for being here with us and and beginning the new year on Speaking of Travel with some positive messages of hope and and planning and giving us an idea that there is a lot to look forward to moving into 2022. Thanks so much, Marilyn. Best of luck uh, to everyone in the new year and, uh, and happy new year. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. And thanks to Dana and Kelly for being here on Speaking of Travel this week. You know, with the new year now opening up before us, we have so many opportunities to look forward to, but we also have to remember that the only sure thing we can look forward to in 2022 is there is no sure thing. So here's where we need to really practice being flexible and patient. 
I'm sure some things are going to continue to take longer than we would want. Staffing will probably remain an issue for a while everywhere. And traveling internationally will require some research and then follow-up to new rules and regulations. We really can't take anything for granted. We need to be taking it one step at a time. So do your research, be flexible, support the travel industry, and look forward to something, even if it's a way down the road. We've learned a lot over these past few years living through a pandemic, and I think the most important travel takeaway is to remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. Joy. 